0: Welcome today to Lighthouse Bible Church. We'll begin with a prayer at this time. Father, we want to thank you for all your gifts, especially and overwhelmingly your Son, Jesus Christ. He's everything to us. He's our Savior, our Redeemer. We know that we are justified because He died and you raised Him from the dead. We know that you call us to keep our eyes on the things above where your son Christ is. We ask today, Father, that we that we would be aided in that by continuing to hear your word this morning. Help us to continue to make that the priority in our daily lives and thinking. We ask this morning also, Father, that you take care of anybody in our congregation, any members of the body of Christ in particular, um, who is hurting at this time. We also pray for the unbeliever, that they may... Receive a powerful communication of your word, which is powerful—the gospel. We ask all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. If you could all stand now, and we'll sing a congregation song. Number two, with that song, you're already picking up on it, right? Yeah, it's there. It's the rhythm that you have to get down a little bit there. So we're gonna we're gonna play it again next week. We're gonna sing it another time. Yeah, why not? Learn a new song, you know? That's right. That'll be the exam time. That's right. All of a sudden, at one point, Michael will shut the music down, and you're going to have to sing an a cappella. That's right. Wow. That's right. And the slides. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome again, everybody. Uh, before we do get started with the message today, um, we do have a couple of announcements. The first one is, um, once again this week, I do want to remind you not to park in the two spots directly in front of it. When you walk out today and you look right straight down the aisle, like I'm doing right now, it's that aisle right there. And it's the first two, okay, the ones closest to the building. And the reason for that is that there are um, often trucks that come by, and if they don't have somewhere to go over there, they'll just come right through here and make a lot of noise, and we'd rather have them over there than in front of us. So if you can remember that. Um, also, again, reminder, Pastor Kingsley is uh, planning a missionary trip to Johannesburg, South Africa in September, September 9th through the 27th. Please keep him in your prayers for much success in evangelizing there. And this morning, I want to give you a schedule note. And I'll repeat it for the next few weeks. We will not have service on Sunday, August 27th. Okay? We will not have service on Sunday, August 7th. I believe that's five weeks from today. Well, I mean, 27th. So, well, the 7th isn't a Sunday, and that's why I put things on the slides, too. Again, not, no, we will not have service on Sunday, August 27th. All right, well, I want to again remind everybody this week again that um, we do have uh, our messages. Every message is on the website, and in addition to that, we, know, we have the video now that you can watch after the fact. We also, you can download an MP3 if you want to listen to it in the car or whatever. And we also have the PDF of the study notes. So if, you, if you're a reader and you'd rather take it in that way, you can download that as well. So there's, this is afterwards, after we have this service today, you can always go back in the messages and you can get the video, download the MP3, or get a PDF of the study notes. Okay. A lot of people like the PDF in particular to be able to read it again for, by way of review. All right, let's begin now with our message. Let's turn now to the Gospel of John chapter 14, starting in verse 16 again. John 14:16, and we'll get started. John 14:16. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. The title of this morning's message, of course, comes from our passage as always, and it is, He will glorify me. Oh, it's not this passage. We're going to this passage later on. It's not this one. So, uh, But he will glorify me is the title. We're going to see that in another passage about the Holy Spirit that we're going to go to this morning in, in John chapter 16. All right. So again, we are looking this morning, though, at John fourteen sixteen to 17 to start. I want you to notice in our passage in verse 16, once again, that Jesus identifies the parakletos. We studied that word as the Holy Spirit. And he calls the Holy Spirit, remember from last week, the spirit of truth. The first thing that he mentions is primary, right? There are other things, of course, about the Holy Spirit. But the first one is that he is truth, the truth. We will see that he communicates the truth as he receives it from the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the truth. Jesus, remember, is about to go to heaven. It's in the upper room where that Jesus is doing these teachings. He's soon to go to heaven. It'll leave them on earth. And these are the men, the ones that are around them that night, Matthew and John and James and so forth, who are going to pick up the mantle, and they're going to go out and preach the gospel, which is the truth. And they're going to establish churches, which are going to be the pillar of truth. So all of their mission, all of their activity will be based on the truth. That's why it's first. That's why it's primary. Last Sunday, in fact, we saw just how central the truth is to our entire lives as believers in Jesus Christ. We saw that the mission, oops, we saw that our salvation is based on truth. We were in Ephesians 1 where we saw the message of truth, our salvation. So that the very start of being a Christian is based on the truth. By the way, never forget that when you're when you're um, giving the gospel to somebody. It's not how, you know, how wise or, or convincing you are, okay? It's, it's, it's the fact that there's power in the word, in the message. What's, the only thing that really matters is that they hear the truth, and they hear it, and they believe it, and they become a, a Christian. We also saw that after we're saved, our entire spiritual life is based on the truth. It's based on the truth. We saw that in Ephesians 4, 14 to 15. I want to just once again reinforce and emphasize the absolute importance of every one of us to be studying, reading, hearing the word of God on a daily basis. I had an experience of it myself in the last week where it's so easy to get dragged into the ways of the world, the lust of the flesh, okay, and attacks, spiritual attacks, all of that stuff that's going on in our daily lives. And if we're not countering that, as it were, with the truth of the word of God. Truth like, you know, whatever things are righteous, whatever things are just, whatever things are good and holy, think on those things. Well, we need to do that. And how do we do that? We do that by staying in the word, word of God, whether it's the Psalms or particularly the epistles. You know, um, make it a habit of going to the book of Romans, okay, on a regular basis particularly from Romans 3.21 through 8.39. Okay, that's the summit. That's the, that's the foundation of being a Christian. That's, that's our spiritual home, the truths that are there. But you'll forget them if you don't go back and remind yourselves of them, particularly when you're in a particular place where you're tempted or in a crisis. Okay, you can always just go, look, I mean, in the United States of America, we have simple, instant access to God's word. All the time. Right? It's, it's relatively straightforward to have your own Bible, which I highly recommend. By the way, we provide Bibles. We've got plenty of them. If you want to take one home, you can. If you want to take one home to a member of your family, you can. Okay, Because that is, That is, you know, the Bible says in Ephesians 6 that that's the sword of the Spirit. The Spirit. That's who we're studying this morning is the Holy Spirit. And yet he considers the Word his weapon on our behalf. Okay. So again, our salvation based on the truth. Our spiritual life based on the truth. We also saw that real, authentic worship is centered on the truth. That's why what we're doing right now is worship. Now, of course, that culturally, Christian culture doesn't call it that, you see. See, they they call what's going on in the music ministry only as the truth. And unfortunately, mo- most Christian music today doesn't really focus that much on the truth. It's very much, I talk about this all the time, I guess you're probably tired of hearing it. But be careful when, it's, when you hear the word I too much in a song that's Christian, right? It's supposed to be him, right? So, so it should be centered on the truth. We worship in spirit. And in truth, we saw that last week. And then finally, and I mentioned this already this morning, the church itself, us, this, we are called the pillar and support, not of programs, not of social causes, but the truth, as we, as we see in First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. Okay, so first and foremost, the Holy Spirit will teach them the truth. First and foremost, the Holy Spirit is teaching us the truth. We'll see this morning that the Holy Spirit worked with these men in the first century A.D., as well as others, Paul and Luke, to write, to have inspiration so that they would understand what they were to write, illumination so they understood the meaning, and then communication where they translated it, as it were, or they, they, they got the, the words that went along with what they were learning. So all of that is our legacy, and it's all there. The Holy Spirit's work is in the Bible, Okay. Every word in the Bible is God-breathed. Now, I'm not saying that the English words, we know that they were inspired in the, in the Hebrew and the Greek, okay? But the truth behind them, the meaning behind them, that all comes from the Holy Spirit. And it's the mind, as we'll see this morning, of Jesus Christ himself. You see, anytime you want, you can turn off the thinking of the world. You can turn off the thinking of the flesh. There is a mind of the flesh, after all. You can turn that off. You can, you can put away the flaming arrows of the evil one who's trying to penetrate our thinking and knock us off our game very simply by going back to the truth. And, and we, we have to. We have to all the time. So he will be the source of the truth. All the truth in the first century that the apostles needed to carry out their mission their mission, of course, was multifaceted. I mean, they certainly established churches to be the pillar and support of the truth. They also obviously communicated the gospel, which is the truth. They also wrote, many of them wrote the, the, the epistles and the gospels that consist now of our New Testament. John very prominently has the gospel of John, the book of Revelation, and three letters, for example. All of that was the truth that they needed to carry out their mission. But here's the thing. This morning, you and I have a mission. And guess what has to be centered to that if we want to accomplish that mission? The truth. The word of God. Living and active. Okay. So that's all the truth they needed the Holy Spirit gave them back then in the first century. And, of course, Jesus had served the disciples in the same way. As a matter of fact, in chapter 14, where we are now, a few verses ago, in chapter 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And, of course, everything he said was the truth. He, he challenged with the truth. He, he convicted with the truth. He encouraged with the truth. But what he's going to say, we'll see this this morning, to these disciples is, you know, given your situation throughout my ministry, there was a limit to your ability to understand the things I'm saying. Remember, we saw in chapter 14, just before this section, that uh, I think it was Philip, I think it was Philip, who didn't understand Jesus was God. <laughs> didn't understand that the, that the Father was in him and he was in the Father. And yet Jesus is taught that, you see, because they lacked capacity. Okay, well, we have that, in, and the reason we have it is because of the miracle that the moment we believe in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to indwell our hearts you see, never before had that happened to believers until Christ goes up to be with His Father again. So they will have all the truth that they need for their mission. We have a mission. We have all the truth that we need for our mission. We have a mission together. Okay. We all, so one of the, the mission is the pillar and support of the truth. Prominent, of course, among among all that truth is the gospel, which each of us has a responsibility to be communicating to the unbelievers that God brings in our midst. But in addition to that, and, and just really as important after we believe in Jesus Christ, is to ourselves be built up in the truth, right? How are other people going to be attracted to the word of God if we're not if we're blasé about it. See, we're we're the ambassadors, right? And we're ambassadors to the unbeliever, but we're also supposed to build up and encourage one another. And that's chapter four of Ephesians that we saw. How do we grow? By means of the truth. The means of communicating the truth in love to one another through the ministry of the communicators, particularly, of course, the pastor teacher. Okay. So the Holy Spirit is here. He was with them. He's with us. He's in us. Look at John chapter 14 now. What we're going to do is we're going to look this morning at the additional um, places in the gospel of John chapter 14 through 16. Okay, now we're going to 14 verse 25, where Jesus talks again about the Holy Spirit. And we're going to notice, hope you notice, that he's always talking about the spirit of truth. He's emphasizing that you know this is really the the setting the, the the ground upon which the church is going to be built because this is really the only place in the in the in the in the gospels where the only place in the gospels where jesus starts to talk about prepares the apostles for the oncoming church age okay and again what does he emphasize about the holy spirit the truth That has to be central. Look at John chapter 14, verse 25. These things, this is Jesus now, of course, speaking. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. But the helper, the parakletos, right? The one who was sent to come alongside to provide the needs of of whoever, whether it's the apostles in that generation, us today. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, You see, Jesus is telling them what's going to happen when he goes up to heaven. The Father is going to send the Spirit in the name of Jesus. And he, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit will go beyond what it was that Jesus taught when he was here on earth for three and a half years. That's what this is saying. There's a fuller body of truth, by the way, much of which still hadn't even been revealed. This, when when Jesus was here that night in the upper room, wouldn't be revealed until after Jesus is back in heaven. Okay, that's the importance of the epistles. You know, the epistles are not afterthoughts, as I heard a pastor say. They're not afterthoughts. They're part and parcel of what it means to be a Christian. Why? Because there's new truth. There's what's called mysteries, things that were hidden, okay, from all the Old Testament believers, and hidden from the people that Jesus ministered to when He was here in the here on Earth, okay, that truth we have. Okay, it goes way again. It goes way beyond. We're going to see this morning at the end. We're going to see a, just one passage in the New Testament epistles in First Corinthians chapter two, and I hope you're going to see if you if you if you're really listening and paying attention that it's mind blowing the expansion of the truth that we have. And the reason is, is because of who we are, who we have been made to be, all right? The Bible says we're a new creation, brand new, okay? Never before seen until Christ rose from the dead and went to heaven, for example. We're not only that, but we're adopted as sons and daughters of the living God of the Father. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. That's new. We are literally in Christ that's new. There's no Old Testament believer that was in Christ. By the way, these apostles were not in Christ until after he went to heaven. You know, our Christianity starts with the resurrected Christ. Okay? We are not to orient to the, to the to Christ when he was here on earth. Okay? We are to orient to the risen Christ. He is our life now. Well, he's not, he's not on earth now, but he is our life now in heaven. Set your mind on the things above where Christ is now. Christianity is up there with the risen Christ. Never forget that. All right. So again, verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, this is future, in my name, he will then teach you all things and also bring to remembrance all that I said to you. So there you have it. You have all the things that Jesus said, and then you have the rest of the things that the Holy Spirit is going to teach them and us after Jesus goes back to the Father and the Holy Spirit is sent. Now, of course, when Jesus was with the disciples on earth for those three and a half years, he taught them many things. I mean, that has been what we've been looking at in the Gospel of John from chapter 5 through chapter 12. In fact, even here in the Upper Room Discourse, he's continuing to teach them. So he's teaching them many, many things. But he also pointed out something. He made it clear that there were things that they were simply not ready to receive. We saw that, that again, I mentioned it, but Philip, even though Jesus talked about the fact That he was in the Father and the Father was in him, that I and the Father are one. Even that evening in the upper room, Philip and probably all of them still hadn't registered. They hadn't, I'm not saying they don't believe it, I don't know, that's up, but it hadn't registered. They weren't aware of it. They didn't understand the implications of that, okay? Well, because Philip's saying, Show me the Father, right? Well, he's right there, you know? It'd be like someone coming up to me this morning and saying, Hey, can you show me John Farley, you know? Well, hello, it's me, you know. So the same thing, Jesus is God, the Father was in, is in him and he's in the Father. So there were many, many things that the apostles were not ready to receive before Jesus went to heaven. We're going to see this morning a passage in John 16, verse 12, where Jesus is going to say this. He says, I have many more things to say to you. So there it is. Jesus, of course, knew everything. All that the Holy Spirit is communicating, by the way, is the thinking of Jesus Christ. So he wasn't the issue. The issue was the capacity of of the apostles before the Holy Spirit came in and dwelt them. He says, he will say, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You're not, you don't have the capacity to bear these many other things that Jesus would have liked to say to them. So clearly, they needed to learn a lot more truth. And with Jesus about to depart, then they'll need another teacher, another guide, because Jesus will be in heaven. And when the Holy Spirit comes, he will teach the disciples all things. All things. The the New Testament epistles talk about all things a lot. You know, like all things are working together for good. Right, or eye has not seen, ear is not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man all the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Expansion of the truth. So he will the Holy Spirit's the one that will teach the disciples all things. But not only that, he will also bring to their remembrance all the things that Jesus said to them as well. But the Holy Spirit will be their teacher and reminder. You know. I hadn't realized this before, but that passage talks about the whole New Testament, basically. Because, first of all, they were, the, the Holy Spirit brought to their remembrance the things that Jesus said. Well, that's the Gospels, the first four books, right? And then, all the other things, which are, of course, in the Epistles. Okay? The Book of Acts is a historical record, okay, where we see this development of how the Holy Spirit worked with the Apostles. It's a fascinating thing. But the teaching the new things is in the epistles particularly of paul so among other things again is that that the ministry of the spirit would enable the apostles to write the new testament they didn't write the new testament until many years after jesus went back to be in heaven why because they needed the ministry of the holy spirit to get that done you know it's it's i don't know if you notice but it's fascinating how the memory of John was so clear and precise. Did you ever think about that? Do you ever think about well how, how did John you know remember like what was going on in the Garden of Gethsemane, or how did he remember all the things that Jesus said on the cross? How did he remember all the details? Well, the answer is simple. He had the Holy Spirit mentoring him, guiding him okay that 's why this is a supernatural book that 's why that 's why the world and the scholars that try to reduce it to what their minds can understand are totally missing the boat. They're totally missing the boat. Okay, so it's Holy Spirit that enables the apostles to write the New Testament. All of it, if you include Paul and Luke, who in turn were inspired by the Holy Spirit for the same purpose. Here's the passage we're going to go to at the end, but I want you to see a couple of verses now because they relate directly to this point. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter two verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And Paul is going to talk about this inspiration of the Spirit and how it works. One of the things about First Corinthians in particular, but I've emphasized this in a lot of books, is that the pronouns are significant. You know, if you see in a letter like this one, where sometimes he talks about we, and sometimes he talks about you. Well, what's going on is that the we, in this context, is the other apostles and him. That's we. Okay, the you is the, is the body of Christ. And sometimes it's really critical to make that distinction, because what we're going to read here is particular, at least here, to the, what, how the Holy Spirit worked with the apostles to write the New Testament. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13. Now, we have received, okay, in context, the apostles, not the spirit of the world, that's the false teachers, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Now, we know those things also, but the reason we know them is because they knew them first and wrote it down. You see, that's why that's why people who try to think that there's a new revelation, that they themselves are going to be inspired to, as it were, write more of the Bible. You know, there was, there was a book Jesus Calling, and that was what it was all about. It was about a woman who's saying she has visions of the Lord, and she would have her daily scripture and then and then add to it. But that's ridiculous, because the the, the Holy Spirit inspired the men who wrote the New Testament okay, then we, we are dependent on what's in that book, okay, because he gave them all the truth. What else do we need, right? Well, unfortunately, what happens is, is that when there's more things added, it's not the truth, you see. It's, it's often false teachers, you know, wolves in sheep's clothing, Okay, so be very, very, very careful. I read something the other day. I do a lot of reading, of course, and I was in one of the commentaries. Always, always a dangerous thing, by the way. And I noticed something that didn't sound right to me when I was reading it. And what I always do is I go back and I look at it because there was a lot of stuff that was good. And the stuff that was good was when the guy was citing scripture, scripture, scripture. And the paragraph that seemed off to me didn't have one scripture reference. Okay, so try to be aware of them. That's my that's my calling and my gift to be aware of those things. But you should, too. You have discernment. Again, verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. That's that inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the apostles, which things we also speak. Okay, not in words taught by human wisdom, Okay. But in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. You see, what you have to be careful is not to put yourself in here in the way that says, you know what, I'm getting new words of the Spirit that I'm communicating. No, this, this, is, this is primarily talking about the apostles here. That's why it's important to make these distinctions. He's saying, listen, listen we, the apostles, have received the Spirit of God so that we may know these things really given to us by God and then speak these things and then write these things. Okay? And when we do so, he's saying, we're not doing that based on how smart we are. We're doing that because the teacher, the Holy Spirit, has taught us the words. He's given us the meaning. And then he says, now here are the words. See? And that's how, that's the, that's, if you think about it, that's the order of things. You know, you see something, they, they 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 were inspired, they were illuminated, and then they wrote it. And they spoke it. Combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. That's how it works. They have the thought, then they have the words. We have the words because they're in the Bible now. So the paracletos would also function as their teacher and reminder. Okay. So i like you now to go to the next chapter of John chapter 15 where we see Jesus talking about the Holy Spirit once again. John chapter 15 starting in verse 26. And we're going to notice again when he's talking about the Holy Spirit he's talking about the truth once again. John chapter 15 verse 26. When the helper comes Paracletos the Holy Spirit whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And I want you to notice something here. Throughout the Gospel of John, particularly in chapters 2 through 12, Jesus Christ again and again emphasized that the Father had sent him. Right? The Father has sent me. But here in John 15, now he's talking about the Holy Spirit being sent by the Father. See it? And he's testifying about Jesus. You see, when Jesus was on earth, he was sent by the Father to testify about the Father. Now that now here, the Holy Spirit... Now this is Paul. He's a member of the body of Christ. He's communicating the, the teachings that were mysteries until Christ went back to heaven. And he's saying, the spirit of truth, Jesus is saying, who proceeds from the Father, will testify about me. He's saying that the Holy Spirit, we've seen this, the Holy Spirit's job, when you boil it all down, is to testify about Jesus Christ. And then he says, and this is the the wonder and the value of who we are, by the way, as members of the body of Christ. Notice this, and you, because here he's talking about the apostles, you will testify also, because you have been with me from the beginning. Now, once again, we see here the spirit as identified, called the spirit of truth. But notice what else he is and does. He is a witness. He is a witness who testifies about Jesus. We've seen in chapter five of the Gospel of John, Jesus talking about witnesses to, to, to the relationship between him and the father, like John the Baptist. But even then, he talked about the word being the key witness. Now we add to that the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a witness who testifies about Jesus. But not only that, we're going to see in a second something else. But, but so he is not only, of course, himself a witness, but notice he is mentoring and guiding the disciples to do the same thing, that they too will be witnesses. The Holy Spirit, and Jesus for that matter, is, is very present and active here now, of course. But how? Through the church through the church, okay? And that's it. This, again, that's why I want you to elevate your appreciation and your respect and, in a sense, awe and, and, and reverence for what God has done with the church. Not because of you and I. Heck, we know we were dead in our trespasses and sins. It's, it's what God has done. And what he has done is, Ephesians 3, if you ever get a chance, you should read that because he's saying that right now, God is speaking to those who are in the heavenly places, the angels and principalities too, both holy angels and fallen through the church that that somehow when we gather together there's 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 a witness that we 're giving to Jesus Christ and to the Father individually as well, okay, but primarily as a body. why well, it 's important to gather together it 's important to be. Tight, it's important to have the spiritual gifts active, right? It's important, you know, when you're giving, a lot of times I think people have the wrong idea about giving. It's not, oh, the church needs a boiler, so we're going to give, you know, it's witness. See, 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 Paul one time in the book of Philippians said, Listen, I am amply supplied, but I'm still rejoicing in the fact that you're giving. Why? Because of what goes to your account. Because you're expressing your relationship with God. You're understanding the importance of the word of God being communicated. Okay? We'll see more about that. I'm going to talk a little bit about that some more. You know, sometimes I've been a little reluctant. And it's my fault to talk about giving because I was was insecure. I was thinking, well, people are going to think I'm just asking for money. But you know what? That does you a disservice at the end of the day. Because it's got nothing to do with me. It's got nothing to do with this building. It's got everything to do with your freely giving and your expressing your gratitude to God. Not to me, not to this building, but to God for what he's doing. And hopefully wherever that money goes, there's good stewardship there. Okay. In any event, the Spirit also testifies about Jesus and he teaches us to do the same. He will mentor and guide in the first generation, the disciples to do it. Okay? They would be witnesses under under very difficult circumstances. Some of them died for being witnesses to Jesus Christ, okay? But the Holy Spirit will mentor and guide them to do the same thing he is, the witnessing. And, of course, that came and will come for us with its own challenges, needs, heartache. So what else he's going to do is he's going to embolden them and give them the very words to say, the very truth to say when they're on the spot witnessing and being persecuted for it. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse 9. Mark chapter 13, verse 9. We have a record in the Gospels and in the book of Acts of how the Holy Spirit ministered to the church in the first generation. And it's very useful because... We need examples. We need to understand particulars. How did it actually work? Well, here's one of those. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse 9. On the subject of the church and hearing the first generation, the apostles being witnesses to Christ. Look at Mark chapter 13, verse 9. Jesus speaking now to the disciples. "But, But be on your guard, for they will deliver you to the courts, and you will be flogged, beaten in the synagogues, And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake, what, as a testimony to them, as a witness of the truth of who I am. Verse 10, the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and they hand you over, do not worry beforehand about what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Holy Spirit of truth the holy spirit so he's saying that the witness has nothing to do with their preparation or their wisdom or trying to outsmart whoever it is they're talking to he's saying don't even think about it until you're right there in that moment why because then you'll be inspired by the holy spirit to say the right thing by the way it's the same thing for us as a witness whether whether we're in that circumstance you know, perhaps, I don't know the future. We might be. You know, we might be hauled before court, and they're saying, you know, why were you outside saying what you were saying? And we're saying, because we're witnessing to the truth about Jesus Christ. Right? Or, importantly, when we're preaching the gospel, a lot of people, and, and this is prevalent, they try to say, well, let's do, let's think ahead of time, everything that we're going to say. Let's have a formula about what we're going to say. There's one formula, by the way, in the gospel. And it's the message of the gospel itself, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you know, came here because we we're all sinners. We, were all, we all fell short of the glory of God. And he went to the cross. By the way, it's got nothing to do with living a perfect life. Put that away, by the way. That has nothing to do with our salvation. Okay? He did. That has nothing to do with our salvation. It's what he did on the cross, period, that is our salvation that he died for our sins. And it's his blood is the perfect sacrifice that the Father looks at. And then we believe in Christ as our Savior. And he credits us with the righteousness of God, by the way. If you look at righteousness being credited, it's not, the right, it's not it talks about the righteousness of God himself based on the blood of Christ. In any event, so, so when we preach the gospel, whatever it is that we're saying around that, around that, so like maybe finding an opportunity to, when somebody's opening up, to kind of go, thats a very critical moment, you know? I don't know, I'm sure many of you have experienced this, when, when you're realizing that there's a possibility that this person might be open to the gospel, you know, and then I always get tongue-tied. Like now, you know, I, I want to say the right thing. Well, relax, because the Holy Spirit will guide you. Believe me, if you're trying to figure it all out, you'll go in the wrong direction. But if you just relax and understand that there are times when the Holy Spirit is going to give you words to say, believe me, that's the key. It's the words that he has and the power of the cross. We have the message, right? We should we should memorize and know and practice that, the simplicity of the gospel. But everything else in that moment, we should rely on the Holy Spirit to guide us. The Holy Spirit, therefore, meets the greatest need. Remember, we've seen that about the parakletos. He comes alongside to meet the needs. And whatever those needs are, he's there for. That's why you can't reduce that word parakletos in the Greek, to a single English word. Because he does so many things. He's the encourager. He's the teacher and so forth. But here the most important need that the apostles had was the truth. In order to fulfill their mission as apostles, they needed the truth. So we see again that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. But now we're going to see something else. I'd like you to now go to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. I'll give you the scripture and I'll go back to one point. John chapter 16, verse 7. We're going to read it in a moment, but I want to set it up. Because so far we've seen the the, the truth, the spirit of truth ministering to the apostles. And by extension to us. But it's just as true, you know, that the Holy Spirit also has a ministry to the unbelieving world. The Holy Spirit does. And that's, by the way, that's the foremost in terms of preparing unbelievers to believe the gospel. Okay, it's, you know, sure, do we sometimes have a role in that? Perhaps. But what's really going on, okay, is the Spirit is speaking truth to unbelievers, And there's three things. We'll see these things. There's three things that the Holy Spirit is really sending as messages, as truth. So he speaks to the unbelieving world. He does. This passage we're going to be in just for there, and I'm going to read, says exactly that. Okay, so with that, let's now, now, I'll now read that passage. Still Jesus, still in the upper room, talking to his disciples. And then he says this. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. It is to their advantage. They're going to be better off with him going off the earth and going to heaven than if he had stayed. They didn't, that, that didn't register. How can that be? You know, we're going to be lost without you. Well, what is he saying? He says, if I don't go away, the helper's not going to come to you. And remember, he has all the truth. He is going to be communicating you things that you weren't ready to receive when I was here. It's only when Jesus goes to the Father, the Father sends the Holy Spirit, then it's to the advantage that that has happened, of the apostles and to us. Again, but I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now notice what comes next, though. And he, the Holy Spirit, when he comes will happen. Will convict the world. Here is the world of unbelievers. Okay? Convict the unbelievers concerning, again, three things. Okay? Sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, today we we are not going to go into that because there's a lot of things that we, can un- we need to understand about why those three things, okay? But that's not today. We can park that. The only thing I want you to see today is that the Holy Spirit has a ministry to the unbelieving world. He teaches the truth. The Holy Spirit of truth speaks truth to the unbelievers. Verse 8, And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning unbelievers, concerning sin and righteousness and judgment, concerning sin Notice, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. But just notice today what the Holy Spirit's doing in communicating to the unbeliever. Okay? You're a sinner, basically, right? concerning sin. You lack, you are unrighteous. Okay, And if nothing changes, there is a judgment coming. When you will be, if you don't believe in Jesus Christ, they do not believe in me, okay, you'll be judged and be under the wrath of God as the unbeliever. And the Holy Spirit is communicating that. And we should, we should realize that. That is not, quote, all up to us. <laughs> the Holy Spirit's working. If you've got people in your lives that you've been praying for, and you should. Right, that they would hear the gospel and believe, right? What you need to understand is that what's really happening in that prayer is, is that you're that you're recognizing that the Holy Spirit is the one who will do the work, convicting them of the fact that they're sinners, understanding that righteousness is the key, understanding that there's a judgment. That's the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, he can use us, but it's his ministry. Now, of course, the Holy Spirit doesn't indwell unbelievers who make up the world. Why? Because they can't receive him. He just said that in our passage today. They can't receive him. They can't take him in. Okay? They can't understand it. They can't understand, like, who, all the ministries of the Holy Spirit. Just one is convicting. Why? Because God isn't willing that anybody who ever lived should perish. And I'll just take a moment. Let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, to emphasize this point okay which is why god has divine power in the person of the holy spirit first timothy 2 verse 3 in the person of the holy spirit because he's this because this is true about god okay first timothy chapter 2 verse 3 first timothy chapter 2 verse 3 This is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Let that sink in for a minute. I know many of you have seen it before, but in this context, of like, why is it that the Holy Spirit would even have a ministry to the unbeliever? What's the, what, what's the, why the truth in those forms? Here's why. Because God desires all men to be saved. That's his desire. And he's done everything he can. Not only, most importantly, through the death and resurrection of his son, but then the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the unbeliever. And not only that, but he also desires all men to come to the knowledge of the truth. There it is again. That's God's design. When Jesus Christ is going to pray to the Father in, God, in the Gospel of John, chapter 17, he's going to talk about eternal life. And you know how he defines eternal life? Father, eternal life is that they may come to know you, knowledge, truth, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. It's all about truth, okay? Just kind of, you know, and what's the, what, where do we go for the truth? The Word of God, the Bible. All right. So the Holy Spirit direct, is directed... Okay, by God and by Jesus Christ to convince the unbeliever that he needs a savior. That's omnipotence, by the way. That's omniscience going at it. Just to comfort those who may have been praying for unbelievers in their lives for a long, long time. Realize that divine omnipotence is on the job. Okay. Well, there's one more passage where Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit of truth. And it's in John chapter 16, verses 12 to 15. John 16, 12 to 15. primary truth about the Holy Spirit is that he's the Spirit of truth. There are other things he does, but his central mission is the truth, the truth about Jesus Christ, the mind of Christ, so that, he, so that we may glorify Christ. John chapter 6, verse 12. I have many more things, because this is Jesus again. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. There it is again. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak that's how it's, that's how it works. See it's amazing we've seen how the, how Jesus did the will of the Father. Now the Holy Spirit is has the same as it were, okay talking about a human um like how we would think of it He humbles himself to only speak what he hears, okay what he hears. And we're going to see what it is that he hears. He will not speak on his own initiative himself, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So in the same way that when we witness, hopefully whatever we hear, the word of God, we speak, the Holy Spirit himself is communicating what he hears. Okay? And and he, the Holy Spirit, will disclose to you what is to come. And again, notice that ministry of the Holy Spirit about future things. Now, of course, now that's, Now, in this context, he's talking about the church primarily because that's future for the apostles. But he's also talking about things about the end times that haven't been revealed. I mean, after all, this night, uh, John hadn't written the book of Revelation yet. Okay, things that are to come. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine and therefore I said that the Holy Spirit takes of mine Christ and will disclose it to you. So here we see that the teaching ministry of the Spirit begins and ends with the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. The teaching ministry of the Spirit begins and ends with the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Not the Spirit. Not look at these great signs and wonders and miracles that the Spirit is doing. Okay? He doesn't want any of that. He doesn't want any attention on himself. Why? Because this teaching ministry begins and ends with the Lord Jesus Christ. And to the extent that we're learning about the Lord Jesus Christ, we are doing and, and, and complementing, as it were, participating in the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's all about Christ. This teaching ministry begins and ends with the Lord Jesus Christ, who he is. You know, I, remember I mentioned how Jesus tried to get them to understand that he's in the Father and the Father is in him. Or to say really simply that he's God. Well, well, the most amazing teachings about the person of Christ as God are found in the epistles. They're primarily, by the way, in the book of Colossians and in the book of Hebrews. Okay, the most the most complete descriptions of Jesus as God are in the epistles. Okay? What he taught, again reminding them of what Jesus taught so that they could write the New Testament, what he has done, very importantly. Why? Because what he has done is he's died for all the sins of the world, and he's risen, and he's ascended to the Father, and he's at the right hand of the Father to be our intercessor. But also what he will do. What he will do. Now, again, in terms of that night, what he will do is he'll come and he'll indwell every believer By the way, the moment we believe in Christ, this is what Jesus has the Holy Spirit do. He places us in Christ forever. Okay? So there's other things that Jesus is doing through the ministry of the Spirit, through the church, through the truth. Let me give you some of those things. And a lot of these things were some of these things Jesus had talked about and they couldn't understand. But many of these things are revealed things that were mysteries until Jesus went to be with the Father. One of them is the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You you know, in the Gospels, we get the facts of it, right? We, We get the testimony that, yes, he died and was risen from the dead. But the meaning behind it really shows up in the epistles, primarily the book of Romans. If you want to understand the meaning, what really happened at the cross, you need to go to the epistles of Paul and Peter to get that to get that meaning it's you know it's remarkable to me how often i'll go to a passage in the epistles and i'll realize you know this is really the gospel again talk about the death and resurrection of christ but it's it's bringing something else another dimension of meaning into it i mean really our spiritual life is pretty simple in the sense of you know the fact that we are witnesses of the death and resurrection of christ that the death of christ is our salvation that the resurrection of christ is our justification okay, the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Well, we're going to continue to learn about the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ through our constant study of the epistles, all right? But not only that, the deity of Christ, as I I mentioned, okay, the fact that the richest material on the fact that Jesus is God is in the epistles, particularly Colossians and, and Hebrews. Okay, what else? The baptism by the Spirit. By the Spirit, by the way. Okay, it's not of the Spirit. Okay, it's by the Spirit. Why? Because he's working to place each and every believer in permanent union with Christ. Holy Spirit magnifies Christ, not himself. You see, it's the baptism by the Spirit, placing each believer in permanent union with Christ. That had never been revealed in the Old Testament. Nothing of the sort. Okay, that's why Jesus says he will be with you, he's with you, and then he'll be in you, you see but not only that but we'll be in Christ the moment we believe we're baptized in Christ permanent union with him and not only that but talking about disclosing things to come here's something else the bodily return of Christ for his church never revealed in the old testament okay not re- by the way not revealed really in the gospels okay yeah you can point to something that says well you know that might be a a little hint but the description of this we call it the rapture by the exit resurrection of the church, it's in the epistles. Right, primarily 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. That's where we go. All these things that were mysteries are revealed by the Spirit once Jesus goes to the Father and the Holy Spirit comes and indwells members of the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit disclosed these things to the apostles. They wrote them down. And there's many, many more that we could look at. But I want you to show, the, show you those. And then go, I think you're still in John. You're still in John, right? Okay, well, I just want you to look once again at verse 14, just to make the point again. Notice what he says. He says, very simple, He, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me. In other words, that's what the Holy Spirit's work is all about, glorifying Christ. He will glorify me, for He will take of mine and disclose it to you. I don't know if we'll get to the final passage this morning or not. I hope so, but you know. But it says something about the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Never said to the Old Testament believer. Never said to, to the apostles when, they were, when he was still with them. But it's true for us. We have the mind of Christ. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is taking of Christ and his thinking, and disclosing it to us. And again, I want to emphasize the ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit. He is ministering to the church. That's how the Holy Spirit is working now, through the church, but for one purpose, to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. He will glorify me. Okay. And we do the same, by the way, through the ministry. I just want to show you one scripture in the epistles, that talks about this. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Whoops. Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Ultimate purpose of the Holy Spirit. He's ministering through the church, but his job is to glorify Christ Jesus. You know, his job really isn't to make us feel like we're important. That was the mistake the Corinthians made with the spiritual gifts. No, all that he's doing, the reason why he's building up the body of Christ and giving us gifts to, for the common good, by the way, not to get attention to ourselves, is because that's how he glorifies the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? And this is one thing that Paul wrote about that Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 we are the true circumcision won't get into that today, but it's the cutting off of us from the flesh, from the influence of the body, fleshly body, sinful, the flesh in the body. But we are the true circumcision, notice this, who worship in the spirit of God. We worship in the spirit of God. And and then what happens? We glory in Christ Jesus. There it is, the Holy Spirit and glory to Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Okay, we're probably not going to go through this completely, but as we end our study of John 14, verses 12 to 17, which we've been on for several weeks, there's one more New Testament passage that I do want you to see, even if, even if we, I can't really go into detail on it today. And the, and the reason is, is because it's a great example of how things that Jesus said as future about the Holy Spirit, Paul comes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit after Christ is in heaven and the Holy Spirit is indwelling us. And what he's going to do is he's going to reflect on okay, some of the same elements that Jesus talked about. But now we're going to see the full flowering and the addition to what was there, the whole truth. Okay, and again, I don't have time to go through this, but um, there's two things. I hope you read this passage on your own. There's two things about it that I want to emphasize. The first one is that this passage deals with the same things concerning the Spirit as John 14 to 16. Okay, so he starts okay, with the things that Jesus said about the Spirit. Okay? But then, so he, he starts, deals with the same things concerning the Spirit, ministry to the world, the fact that he's the Spirit of truth, and so forth. But he goes beyond it. He takes new things. He takes these to a new level that's suitable for the body of Christ who has the Holy Spirit indwelling. Okay, that's the form. It starts by sort of recapitulating, right, re- re- reviewing right things that I've said to you, and then goes beyond with things that are suitable for the body of Christ and who we are, the new creation, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And the passage is, we've been there once already, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 6 to 16. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 6 to 16. I'll give you a moment to get there. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, starting in verse 6. Yet we do speak wisdom. Again, we, the apostles, okay? And that wisdom in context is the word of the cross, okay? The gospel it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but power of God to those who are being saved, the truth about the cross among those who are mature. That's why we'll, when we get to be mature as Christians, we're still going to be learning about the gospel and what it means. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor the rulers of this age, which are passing away. You see, the world can't, doesn't see the spirit or know it, but we do. But we speak God's wisdom, notice this, in a mystery. This is what's added. Okay? A mystery. Notice what that is. The hidden wisdom, which God predestined before the ages. In other words, God has been holding on to this truth Pretty much forever. But it was a mystery until Christ goes to be with the Father. Well, that tells you right away the value of the epistles because there's a mystery revealed only after Jesus goes to the Father and the Spirit comes down. We speak God's wisdom in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. Our is the church now. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. The world doesn't see him or know him. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He's saying here two things. One, that unbelievers only only care about choose to know those things that they can see and hear and that they can work out in their in their heart themselves, but also that even even until now, e- these things had been never revealed anyway. So God's preparing them for us. And then at verse ten, for God for to us, to us, the church, the apostles first, God revealed them through who? The Spirit. For the Spirit, notice this, and I think I'll end here, but the Spirit searches all things even the depths of God. I well, want you to think about that. All things now is tied into what? The very depths of God. That's the storehouse, as it were, that the Holy Spirit has. That, that He it's, it's available, okay? There are things that, that, that God had never revealed until the New Testament epistles. Okay? I think of the end of Romans chapter 11, where Paul is just blown away by the mercy of God for the nation of Israel, for example. And so much more. And then I just want you to notice the process again. Notice um, verse 12. Now we have received, not the spirit of the world, we've seen this passage already, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And those things are so amazing that human wisdom, can't capture it. Things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words, inspiration of the New Testament writings. Now, this is why I'll just edit, I'll just give you this, and that is that pastors really have to have most of their message directly out of the scriptures and not try to comment on w- using their wisdom, their thinking, their education. No, because that's not going to do it. It's those words taught by the Spirit. That's what does it. And then I just want you to notice verse 15 and 16. He who is spiritual, that's the definition of the Christian life because we have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. He who is spiritual appraises all things. There it is again, all things. Yet he himself is appraised by no one. And then verse 16, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? By the way, that was said to the Old Testament saints in the book of Isaiah. They couldn't. Okay, But notice, we, members of the body of Christ, actually have the mind of Christ. When was the last time you thought about the scriptures, especially the New Testament epistles, as being the very mind of Christ? Because if you do, you're going to go to that word. You're going to be drawn to it. You're going to want to know everything that it says because it's the mind of Christ himself. So I'll leave you with that this morning. But just consider that, okay? That we have the thoughts of God and the mind of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning once again for bringing us here to hear the truth, the truth that's been written down by the, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to the men in the first generation of the church, the, the truth that was available to us each and every day of our lives now and we need to take advantage of. Father, in these last moments today, we just want to once again um, speak in your name to the unbeliever that everybody sinned and falls short of the glory of God being justified as a gift Salvation is a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And it's on the basis of faith. Christ died for our sins, your sins, everybody's, was buried. And then on the third day, God the Father raised him from the dead so that whoever believes in him will never perish but has eternal life. Father, we thank you for the truth of that, for the message, for the privilege we have of not only knowing it but communicating it. And, Father, we just ask again for us, for the help of the Spirit Guidance and direction as we leave today and go into the battlefield of life. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And with that, you're dismissed and hope a lot of you can come back on Thursday because we're going to have a Bible study. I don't know why this is, but it's turned out that we're starting to see more of that interaction that we kind of lost in terms of, right, guys, you were here or online, you know what I'm talking about. That's so important. So I invite you to be participating in that. Thursday, 6.30, Skype here. Hope you can come and join us. All right, you're dismissed.